Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Well, hey, thank you guys for being here this evening. Um, I said it last week, and I'll, just, I'll say it again just because uh, bears repeating. There are times when we're going to come across uh, different parts of Scripture that are a little divisive um, in the church body. Not, uh, uh, you know, the, the Word of God cuts, right? The Word of God um, exposes us. Uh, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about some of the, the difference of theologies, if you will. Um, I don't think tonight's necessarily one of those nights, but there's been some, some nights where there's been topics that are addressed in scriptures, and, you know, I try my best to pull from different sides and, and land on, on what side um, I land on. And, and it's okay if we don't agree. That's, that's okay. Um, man, I still believe that, that we love Christ, um, that we can be united, that we can uh, still be brothers and sisters in, in the Lord. So uh, if there's something that you don't agree with, or you're like, ah, I just have a different reading about that, that's okay. Um, I had some, somebody ask me a few questions a couple weeks ago, and we got to address those last week, and um, some of you probably weren't on board, but I'm, uh, I'm okay with that, and I hope you're okay with that, and I'm glad you're still here, um, but just wanted to go ahead and address that. But tonight, we're reading uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through uh, 22. We're not going to read it all at once. We're going to break it down to a few different sections, and so we're going to start by reading verse 11 through 15. It says this. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace." who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abandoning the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So what we're going to do here is, is we've got a few different uh, sections in these, these 11 or 12 verses uh, at the end of Ephesians. And so we're, we're going to, uh, to look at them. And so we're starting here. And remember, one of the themes, if you were here for the first week, one of the major themes of Ephesians is, is Paul revealing the mystery of the church that's in Christ, right? What, what this mystery is, is something that was unknown in the Old Testament, but is revealed um, after Christ. And so Paul starts to get in here and starts to unpack this mystery, um, what, you know, what was once unknown, but what is now known um, and the first thing we're seeing is this, one of the things that is being revealed is the unity of Christ's people. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians, uh, or more, more broadly, the church, uh, the churches in Asia Minor, the Gentile churches, right? This is who Paul was the apostles, who was the Gentiles. And he's reminded them that one time they were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Now, this is a degrading term that the Israelite people would use to talk about people who were not in their camp, who were not in uh, their community. Uh, we hear uh, David giving this sick burn to Goliath as he's about to uh, go to battle with him. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, 
And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for this man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Oh, burn, that he should defy the armies of the living God. I think we should bring back that insult. Uh, just personal, um, personal preference. But the connotation here is that there is a, a physical sign um, of the people of Israel, that they are in a covenant relationship with God. This is circumcision. This is what Paul talks about in verse 11. He said, this is the sign. It is made in the flesh by hands. It's this outward sign of a covenant. Later on um, in, in uh, uh, Paul's letters, he talks about people who are circumcised on the outside but not on the inside, right? They, 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 they bear the mark physically, but they don't bear the mark. Their heart has not been circumcised. Their heart has not been cut away, right? It hasn't been changed. Um, and so we see in the Old Testament where you have the Jewish people are in fellowship with God. Um, they had the promise of the Messiah. They had hope. They had destiny. Because they were in covenant relationship with God, they were blessed. They were protected. They, were bene- they benefited from this unique relationship with God. But then you've got the Gentiles outside of the camp, um, uncircumcised, separated from God. Uh, they're not included in the covenant promises. They have no hope. And this is what the Gentiles experienced. Let me stop. This is what we all experienced before Christ. No hope, right? No future, no blessings. Like we are separated from God, not involved, not included in the covenant promises. And so um, we have, you know, no right to a relationship with God. We have no inheritances or blessings. Uh, Earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that we were children of wrath. And and, and I, I don't think I've done it this year, um, but I'll, I'll, I know I hit it last time, last year when we started, when we started midweek, um, but I'll hit it again. This idea that humanity in general, right, just every, every person in the world is a child of God is just not rooted in Scripture. Um, it, it came from this uh, 19th century German theologian, this liberal German theologian, that was trying to find like a, a common denominator for all these world religions and try to figure out like what's the like base level like denominator that we can find and, and it was this this universal fatherhood of God. And it's not rooted in scripture. There is this idea that God is the creator of all, right? That he is he is everyone's creator. Um, but scripture is clear that only those who are in Christ are children of God. And, and so so this is what Paul is saying in this section, that before Christ, you had no right to an inheritance. You had no right to, to the blessings. But then in verse 13, he says another major theme, another major theme right here, um, but in Christ, but now in Christ, right? This is the turning point in Ephesians. This is the turning point uh, for the Gentiles. It's the turning point for us, that we who, were, who are in Christ, we were once what? We were far off. But now we have been brought near. And we see this, Paul's kind of um, showing off some of his training. Now, this idea of being far off is, is this, was this like rabbinical term for people who are separated from God. We see it in Zechariah 6.15, and those who are far off shall come and help build the temple of the Lord. Acts 2.39, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Right? Those who were once far off have been brought near. And this word near in the Greek, it means that they have near access to God. It's not our own doing. It's not our own good works. But what is it that brought us near to God? What is it? It's 
the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, um, that he atoned for our sins, that his death on the cross, it reconciled us to God. Um, I'll get on my soapbox for for a second. It drives me crazy um, around April time, uh, around uh, Easter, to be more specific. When I hear pastors talk about um, the crucifixion or talk about the Easter story, they try to put like a fresh spin on it. They try to, you know, it's, sometimes it's like, oh, I want to boost my brand or, or boost my followers or, or boost my sphere of influence, so I got to be edgy, I got to be um, fresh, and, and they, they totally miss the mark when it comes to talking about the crucifixion. People need to know. People need to know exactly what happened on the cross. They need to know that we were far off, that we were children of wrath, that we were headed for hell, that nobody likes to talk about that because it, it, people don't want to hear that, hey, you're headed to hell, like before Christ. You have no inheritance to the blessings of God. You have no right to the covenant promises of God. But then the crucifixion happens, and they try to put a fresh spin and saying, but hey, but now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near. Um, and, and it's one of those things like we, we have to understand that Christ gave up his life, atoned for our sins, and that we've been brought near to God. We have access to God because of what Christ did. That's just my soapbox about Easter time, especially when like, I hear people, see people posting clips, and I'm like, just talk about the cross, man. Just talk about what Christ did on the cross. Uh, so, sorry, that, there, I'll get back on track. So, anyway, um, Paul has set up the before. He's hit the, the, the catalyst, right, that, that we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then he talks about the consequence, not in a bad way, just what, the result of, of what's happening. Um, for he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So, um, who is our peace? Christ, yes. Uh, We look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. That we have a vertical peace with God. We also have a horizontal peace with our, our fellow man, um, and which we'll talk about here in just a second. Um, but then we have an inward peace that God guards our heart. And for those who are in Christ, that we have our peace because of Christ. That in Christ, we're no longer hostile to God, and God is no longer hostile to us. Um, we're no longer at enmity with him. That, that um, Christ guides, guards our hearts, guards our minds. And then Paul makes this reference. He says... Um, that Christ has made us one, when he says made us one, look back to earlier, like in verse 11, when he talks about the circumcision and the uncircumcision, um, that this wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles is now gone. Now, this is a, a figurative, but also a, a literal wall. Um, so figuratively, like the, the societal and, and cultural hostilities that are, are coming between the Jews and the Gentiles, those are dispersed. Um, and then we look figure, or we look literally in the temple, those Gentiles who had converted to Judaism, um, they were allowed in the temple to a certain point. There was a court of the Gentiles, but then if you weren't born into the nation of Israel, if you were not a Jew by birth, you did not get to keep going to have further access to the area that was only available to the Jews. And so Paul is playing on this. Hey, these walls of hostility, this wall in the temple, right, this wall societally and culturally, Christ has destroyed that wall. He's killed that wall of hostility between us. And this is another mystery of the church, right? That there is unity 
in the body. Because it was that if you weren't in the camp, you didn't get the promises. And now Paul is saying, no, no, this is, this is different. And we get to this next section in uh, th- this passage in Ephesians where he says that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. So these two people groups, he has made one new man. This, this word new is the word um, kainos. It's, it's new, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. Now, if I go buy a new truck, it's fresh, new model, whatever, different features, it's still a truck, right? Still a truck. What Paul is saying here, no, 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 what Christ is creating is something totally different, something un, unheard of. Again, this is the mystery that is revealed, um, the, the mystery of the church that's revealed in Christ. And he's saying there is no longer two separate groups, but we are one. Romans 10, uh, 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing all his riches on all who call on him. Galatians three twenty eight. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Something totally new, something totally um, different, unique. There's unity in Christ because we are one. We weren't, we were separated, we were far off, but because of Christ's sacrifice, those walls have been broken down and there's now access to God. So Paul talks about the unity of Christ's people in this first section. Then we get to Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 16 and 18 says this, um, And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Paul is stating here that both parties, Jews and Gentiles, needed reconciliation to God, which is you know, if you're a Jewish person reading this, you're like, whoa, it's just those Gentiles that need reconciliation. He's like, no, no, no. We both needed reconciliation to God. We both needed to be brought near to God. So Paul's continuing to tear down this idea um, that's, that's been rooted for thousands of years between the Jews and the Gentiles. He's trying to tear down this idea um, of these two distinct people groups and say, no, 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 you are now united in Christ. You both Jew and Gentile, needed to be reconciled to Christ, that you are one body, that when, when Christ died on the cross, there was this cosmic exchange that happened, and, and the cross um, accomplished exactly what God intended for it to accomplish, that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that the hostility between God and man was put to death, that Christ is the one who received justice, he's the one that received um, the wrath of God, that he became a curse for each believing person, um, on that cross. Galatians 3.13 tells us this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now, I've used this term reconcile a few times, and it'd probably help if I defined it um, a little bit better. It's this Greek word, apokatalasso, and it holds this idea pretty simply of being, um, coming from hostility to friendship right, that you are now reconciled. But the way it's worded in the Greek, the, the prefixes it uses, the apo and kata uh, in the word down there that you see, um, it, it's placing emphasis on the complete and total work of reconciliation. That it's not like if you, has anyone ever been kind of distant from a relative and they, then there's like a reconciliation but you're still kind of walking on thin ice? Like it's like, uh, like we're cool and I'll have you over for Thanksgiving but like one strike and you're done, right? It's, it's, it's 
It's a loose reconciliation, if you will. Uh, Paul is saying, no, 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 this is a complete and total reconciliation between God and his children that you are now brought in. We talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago, John 10, that you are now in his hand, and no one can snatch you out of that, right? That you in Christ are one, joint heirs with him. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23 says this, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him uh, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Very similar language here in Colossians as Ephesians. Um, just this reminder that you have been brought near. You were strangers, but now you've been brought near. It says that he came and preached peace in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. And this part of the passage is really interesting because we read the word uh, preach. Does anyone know what this word is in Greek? I don't want to put it up there because it's going to give away. It is. But it's this word, uh, ugondalizo. It's where we get our English word evangelize. Now, What's interesting about this, um, anytime you read the word preach or gospel or good news, it's this word. Um, I find it interesting because that word evangelize, it means to proclaim good news, um, especially in relation to what Christ has done for us, killing that hostility, right? Making peace, being a sacrifice for our sins. And it's interesting because it's, it, if you read it kind of in the literal sense, it's that Jesus came and gospeled peace that he evangelized peace, that he brought good news of peace. Then we look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John 14, 27, Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples, and what's he say? He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You guys have had somebody ask you the question, or you've heard somebody ask the question, hey, if you had one wish, what would it be? And you have some people be like, man, that Powerball is being drawn tonight, and it's pretty big. There's my one wish, right? I could do a lot of good with that. Then you have people like, you know, that, that make us feel bad. They're like, I want world peace. And you're like, okay, okay. Powerball would still be nice, but yeah, sure. I, yeah, I guess I'll take what he's, what's he have, what he's having, right? Um, when, Jesus, when, when Paul says that he came and, and preached peace, he's not talking about the good news of peace between two nations. I mean, we look in our world right now, it'd be awesome to have peace between what's going on in uh, the Middle East, in, in Ukraine, and Russia, right? You look at all these tensions with China and Taiwan, and these different um, foreign uh, issues that are way beyond my pay grade. It'd be awesome to have world peace, but Jesus didn't come to preach peace peace between nations. He, he came to preach peace that through him, not our works, not our, our good deeds, but through him and him alone, that we who once were enemies with God have been brought near and are in a place with peace with God. Right? This is what he came to do. This is the good news. Right? The good news means that we're saved from the bad news. Um, that we're free from the wrath of God because of what Christ did on the cross. Um, and, and this is what Paul is, is 
telling us that Jesus came and preached peace between us and God. And because we have peace with us and God, we can have inner peace, right? Because His peace now guards us. Because we have peace with God, we can have peace with one another. This is what He came to do. And so we see, <clears throat> we, we see these two sections in Ephesians chapter 2. Then we wrap up with verses 19 uh, through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, there are these implications of the peace. And Paul starts this way in verse 19. So then, right, he's just given this list of what's going on. So then, he's laid out these truths. Now he's pulling out the implications from these truths. What's the so then? We're no longer strangers and aliens. This word stranger is where we get our word xeno, like xenophobia, right? You're afraid of foreigners. You're afraid of, of unknown people groups. Um, we're no longer far off, but we're what? We are um, we're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are now citizens with the saints. But not just citizens, but we're members of God's household. And again, in God's kingdom, there's no second-class citizens. Right? We look back in the Old Testament, you'd have people that would convert to Judaism, and they're still like, yeah, but you're still not really one of us, right? That we're still going to put you in this section of the temple. We're going to go over here because we're Jews by birth. Paul's like, no, no, there's no second-class citizens. Um, we aren't separated into upper, middle, and lower class in God's kingdom, but we're all on equal standing. And, and this, this fact should drive out division and dissension that if God has accepted us as equal citizens, as joint heirs with Christ, um, then we should accept each other, um, not looking down on some and, and playing favorites with others. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says this, and if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Man, we could spend some time on that last part. Provided we, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. We'll leave that there for you guys to chew on. So these distinctions, citizens and then members of God's household, they're not two separate categories. They're two sides of the same coin. That every citizen of heaven is a member of God's household. And every member of God's household is a citizen of heaven. And so we're going to this next verse, built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. We're going to reverse engineer this one a little bit because I think it's important to um, totally understand what we're talking about. So we see the first thing is that Jesus is the chief cornerstone um, as we're looking at this passage. Psalm 18 or 118 verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Uh, Acts 4.11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders uh, which has become the cornerstone. So, if you remember, did anyone go to church at our old building on Darlington? Yeah. So, there was a cornerstone in that building. Totally served no purpose. It, it had no, no structural function except to show that that building was built in like 1955 or whatever. Um, it's out there on the outside corner. You could see it, every, the pink brick or whatever it is. And then that's like a, a cement cornerstone. Serves no function. But historically cornerstones were vital to the structure and stability um, of the building. Uh, they were the first stone that was set. And every stone was measured 
um, and had these careful calculations based on that stone. That stone made sure that the building was square and stable um, to ensure proper alignment of the rest of the building. It, it was the most important part of the structure. And so this verse is, is saying this, if we're looking at it kind of backwards, that Jesus, first and foremost, is a chief cornerstone of his church. And that the rest of the building is based off the apostles and the prophets, that their teachings are in alignment with what Christ taught. They are being obedient to what Christ taught in his commands. That they're not getting out of whack, but they're aligning with him, um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so they keep us in line, that the word of God keeps us in line. Uh, I, could, I could have a lot of thoughts about this, but we have some people that claim to be prophets, some people claim to be um, apostles, some people claim to have like a special revelation from God, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but Jesus must be the cornerstone of all that we do, all that we say, all that we believe. Um, you want to look back in history, we can look back in the book of, of Galatians where they didn't use Jesus as the chief cornerstone because Paul had to correct them because they started chasing these different theologies. Um, we could look at um, the Catholic Church where they say the Pope has supremacy and authority and, um, and that basically what he says is equivalent to the Word of God. But you could look at uh, this fairly, I think it's fairly new movement, the New Apostolic Reformation, or if you look at the, the NAR movement, if you've heard that, where people claim to have this special revelation from God and it's equivalent to Scripture. Um, we have to understand that God has revealed himself to us through the Bible. Um, and, and, and so we have to understand this is our foundation and our guide, not the words of man. And so when we see people saying, well, well God has said this to me and it carries the same authority um, and it's got to be treated as such, that's when squirrely stuff starts happening. People start getting off the rails. And so uh, we just have to understand that, that the foundation of the church was built off Christ, his word, and the apostles aligned their teaching in accordance with what Christ taught. And then Paul talks about this building continue to be built. Not, not the foundation, but the church. Right? That the church has continued to be built. And there are still believers being added to the church. In verse 21 and 22 says, In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That in Christ, the whole structure, the church, is being joined together carefully, perfectly. Um, we're reminded that, that Christ is going to present his church holy and blameless. That it's, the church is not thrown together haphazardly. Um, that Christ has given each of us a gift and a calling for the building up of his church. Read that in 1 Corinthians um, 4.12. Since you are eager for the manifestation, uh, so with, sorry, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church, that Christ is continuing to build up his church. Um, and each part has a specific and perfect and beautiful spot to play. Um, and if we aren't working in the gifts that Christ has given us, and we're being disobedient. Man, we recently, I think it was last week, we threw out different areas that, that we need help in the church, right? We need people to step up and serve, minister, use your gifts. Um, man, maybe you're like, well, I don't work well with kids. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm going to say something, but you know, like maybe holding the camera isn't my deal. Maybe opening a door isn't my deal. Um, can I tell you that you can use your gifts to build up Christ's church outside of, outside of Foundations Church? Right? I would love it if, if helping kids and, and being on the prayer team or um, serving or being an usher, like if that was like, man, that's my thing, awesome, do it, go for it, run with it, build up the kingdom, 
Minister to those kids, minister to those adults, minister to those students, whatever it is. But some of you are like, man, I'm like, I'll take Dennis, for example, calling him out, right? Um, his ministry is pouring in to other people, is to discipling people. Um, I met him five or six years ago at Foundations Church. He wasn't running a Foundations Church ministry. There was no sanctioned Foundations Church ministry that he didn't fill out a volunteer application. He didn't go through a background check. He probably should have. Um, but he didn't go through the, like, the steps. But guess what? He was still using his gifts to build up Christ Church. And I think a lot of times we think that, man, I've got to work inside a Foundations Church to use my gifts. That's not necessarily true. I would love it if that aligned up, right, if that, that worked out. But you can still use your gifts to build up Christ Church outside of this building. Um, doesn't mean you have to leave Foundation Church, right? Um, but it also shouldn't be an excuse for us to sit on our hands and not do what God has called us and gifted us and equipped us to do. Um, stop being disobedient. Fulfill your role that Christ has called you to step into, that we all should be doing something. Um, we should all be contributors and not consumers. And let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening. God, thanking you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. God, I pray that, uh, God, you would help us walk in unity. God, that we are reminded that uh, you have torn down the hostility, um, the intimacy between, between us and God. God, that we are at peace with God, that we're at peace with each other. God, that there is something new that you have started in the church. God, that was unlike anything before. God, I pray that we walk in unity so it glorifies you, so it shows the world um, the testimony of, of who you are. God, that we use our gifts, God, to build up uh, your church, to edify the body. God, in, in doing so, bringing honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.